0: Mike, Um, I hope you can hear me well. Let me tell you about being a priest. Somebody once told me that a priest can do the bare minimum, or he can do more if he likes. And I decided that every time I would celebrate the Holy Mysteries, I would give was a plaque in my sacristy growing up remember O priest that this is your first mass your last mass and your only mass when the priest would go in for for the celebration and the point was do it do it well and what what happens when you're a priest and you do it well as I did tonight it takes a lot out of you there's a reason why A priest is only supposed to celebrate one mass a day barring emergencies or dispenser technically you have to have permission to do it more than once a day so I am exhausted and my voice is exhausted because I don't like to mumble the sacred mysteries I don't want to see myself in heaven mumbling to God Uh, I also don't want my students at the middle school to see me mumbling because that doesn't inspire them i know i learned a long time ago that you have to be authentic or you just don't do it at all so please bear with me As I constantly clear my throat, I'm an asthmatic since childhood. I will try to project without shouting, and I'll channel my inner Anthony Hopkins, who's a wonderful Welsh actor. Um, You have probably heard many talks about the life of Blessed Carl. And those talks probably will go through, this is when he was born, this is what he did, this is where he lived, this is why he did it, this is where he died. I'm not going to repeat that. Instead, in fact, I have no script. This is a book I'll get to later. I have no script. What I decided to do, uh, you see, um, apart from asthma, um, Our Lord has deigned in His providence to make me suffer from bouts of insomnia, and He wakes me up in the middle of the night, usually around the three o'clock hour. And I used to get frustrated with the inability to sleep until I decided to do something actually constructive. Netflix <clears throat> and I did I did I watched Netflix and then I realized that it was full of garbage and then I decided to do something even more constructive and I called upon the Benedictine traditions that formed that founded my continent at least another one here I know has come from the continent from which I myself hail And I remembered how they would wake up in the middle of the night, unwillingly perhaps, to pray. Of course, the psalm, one of the psalms writes, uh, well, more than one of the psalms, one of the psalms writes that, um, I forget the exact word, you can tell I'm a Catholic. Um, On my bed I muse upon you throughout the night. So I started musing upon God throughout the night. I would have a, either a rosary or a, a, a prayer rope. If you This is, um, as a Byzantine rite priest, uh, this is the Jesus prayer rope, and you just keep going. There's no stopping. Um, and I'd have that by my bedside, so and I would keep praying, and eventually I started praying the Psalms, like a good Benedictine, even though I'm not. And I did that last night. I woke up again at about 3 o'clock and I decided I haven't prepared anything of what I'm going to tell those people tomorrow. So Lord, you tell me what you want me to say. And the only thing that came to my mind was the final chapter of his life. And I'll explain to you why I have a connection. I have a, a direct physical connection with the final chapter of his life. Uh, as you heard Mike say, my father was born in the land known as, well, in in the anglicised word, Galicia or Galicia, not Spain. Uh, there's another Galicia which is now in Western Ukraine, but it wasn't always. In fact, in my father's generation, my father was older when I was born. He was 63 when I was born. So just to give you an idea of... Um, we think he was 63. We have no records. Why? Because of the war and the displaced person. So we think more or less he was 63 but in his generation his family in that house where they where they were born and when they grew up they lived in five countries without moving house because of course you know the borders were constantly changing so it was the Austro-Hungarian Empire when my grandfather and father when I, w- I would hear all these stories in my childhood, um, my grandfather fought for the Allies. Sorry, if any of you had ancestors on the other side, more or less what you had to do. My grandfather fought for the Kaiser, or the um, the Holy Roman Emperor. The, the Holy Roman Emperor, I should say. My father was born we believe in 1921 now by that time World War one had come and gone and all of those treaties had taken place reorganizing various elements of the Empire and shifting nation-states around and so the house was all of a sudden in Poland so if you look at my father's passport it says place of birth Poland I wish I actually had a projector screen to um, put on the screen the name of the village and, and have fun watching you try to all pronounce it <clears throat> um, because you know it has C's and Z's and all those letters okay then of course you had um, well you had the revolution in St. Petersburg in 1917 but it took a while for that to then make its way into Western Ukraine and what happened was uh, the Soviets come in and all of a sudden it's the Soviet Union third country well 1933 comes along someone is democratically elected in Nazi in Germany and he decides that he needs a bit more room his house is too small and he's just going to bulldoze over people along the way so he plows into uh, the soviet union and in 1941 enters ukraine uh, which was kind of back and forth independent soviet union okay and it now becomes the third reich so Greater Germany so that's the fourth country my family lives in by that time my father is taken as a displaced person to Nazi Germany where he lived outside of Berlin for most of the war then of course the so- decades later the Soviet Union collapses and now we're in independent Ukraine again the fifth country Okay, so you kind of have to place yourself in the mind of an inhabitant of that kind of instability. You don't know what's coming. One minute, it's the Russians. Next minute, it's the Germans. And oops, the Russians are back again. And if that's not... Then you have like hundreds of years of history of... Genghis Khan the Turks more Russians Poles yeah big big fighting between the two so that's your legacy and it's really hard to describe that kind of instability to Americans and many Westernish Europeans but it's a little more close and the reason it's hard to do that is because the United States sure it's not been perfectly stable but it's not been like that I mean perhaps you can go back a hundred years and you could look at certain parts of this country where Nueva España and the French and the English were vying for various territories but that seems a long time ago so oftentimes when I speak to my students, they have zero idea of what political instability really is, and, if I may say, what it really is. Let me tell you one, one example of suffering amongst my, my, and I do love my students, Please do not take this as in any way I love them. But it's it, it's interesting to watch them. It's interesting to observe them. Okay. Uh, perhaps the greatest suffering I encountered before COVID was there the, was the a time at the school when Snapchat was down for two hours, and people shook, and they thrashed and they moaned and grumbled so the world has changed the world has changed now my own physical connection to karl comes in two parts at the very beginning my grandfather was born in the austro-hungarian empire and my father was no my father was not that we know of i i believe 1921 was when he was born blessed karl was attached to my father's side of the family now the habs the habsburgs had an enormous task because what happens when you have a large territory with different people you have to somehow manage all of those people and unite them so in the Empire you had I mean they were Catholics okay so but they were Latin right now our faithful belonging to the Eastern Rite, completely different when we had been living under the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth okay that's another thing you can look up on Wikipedia tonight okay the the Orthodox Christians who then entered into union with rome in 1595 my ancestors in the faith who entered into union with rome we had experienced pre and post that event a certain we were second class okay so very often our overlords um, the landowners um we had no representation for example in parliament and if any of you belong to is it puerto rico am i is something about I'm, I'm trying to use an analogy that americans might understand okay so but it was a little more close to home there wasn't a, a body of water between us so we were right there you know so there was a great pressure and The way I was taught was it it eased a little bit under the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And it was because of the goodwill of men like Blessed Karl. And the reason why they were so goodwilled, I was taught, and I'm not an expert, but I was taught, was quite frankly because he was a saint. And what does a saint do? A saint's heart... And mind is first and foremost in union with the will of God and so when a saint looks at another person the saint sees the image of God and that determines how they behave towards those people there's a great peace this man was a saint and that's what impelled him to latch on to when the, the Holy Father, then uh, I believe it was, boy, am I Benedict? Why am I blanking? Benedict the fifteenth, I believe, who called for peace in Europe, and what did they do to the stability? Right? Suffice it to say, didn't work. Because there was a second war. But one ruler, because God was first, wanted to bring that about. And he was shunned and rejected by his fellow rulers. First, taking refuge in Hungary before being exiled, the poor man. To a small Portuguese island in the middle of the Atlantic. Now that takes me to my other connection to Carl. It is on that island that my mother was born. So my father on the one bookend, and my mother on the other bookend. I had absolutely no idea growing up about this man. But in a sense i didn't need to because that was the genius of who he was he was hidden at the same time as being the emperor humble that's how he lived and that's how he died and he died in exile with his family clutching onto one reality He died with his faith and his convictions and his conscience intact because that was his greatest wealth okay and I think that that is so important for us today on Monday I took a day off and I'd been hearing about a book for about two or three years or so and i i hadn't read I, I think i read a chapter and as usual with my books i never finished but i determined to read this book and i gave myself eight hours nine to five and i finished the benedict option by rod dreyer okay a st- the, the subtitle is a strategy for christians in a post-christian nation if you haven't read it it's, uh, it was quite the bestseller it's it's probably a great to just inform yourself there are various different opinions about him about the book I like it I like it and what I read in this book was troubling but at the same time it was old news and reassuring I'm going to sum it up in a couple of sentences Rod Dreyer is um, he's a conservative American, former Catholic, and is now Eastern Orthodox, um, mostly, I believe, because he wasn't taught growing up the truths of the faith. I, I was taught thanks to my family, certainly not in my Catholic school. Um, Rod Dreyer is looking at the way things are going, okay and he says I'm I'm giving you the nutshell okay he says that we're no longer living in Christendom we're no longer living and any any Christian things that we still have I mean honestly Halloween Christmas Easter all of that is basically like a shell of a former glory. Okay, does that make sense? A shell of a former glory. So, he's looking at the world realistically. He's saying, what can we see is going on, and how can we keep what we have going forward? Um, and so, the first part of the book, he kind of talks about all the, how we got here, and all the doom and gloom evidence. And the second half of the book, okay, there's a middle section where he talks about the Benedictine monks of Norcia you may know of them I know uh, Father Cashin was here in Charlotte a few years ago and he looks at what the Benedictine way the monastic way that formed my continent how they are doing it and he gives some practical examples in the second half of the book of what we can do going forward okay I'm not going to you what to do I'm simply going to say that when I woke up this morning and I prayed I felt God was telling me are you okay with the fact that you could end up in exile with nothing like blessed Carl that everything you have worked for in your entire life would all be taken away from you are you okay with that and of course the answer is no because i'm not a saint like he was but i can see god is trying to start to prepare me as they say somewhere in the states he's fixing to get ready to read me up Pennsylvanians he's reading up my soul for something that's coming and someone before I was ordained a priest a priest told me actually he was a priest of the fraternity of St Peter in England I remember he told me this is how you know you'll be ready to be a priest and i was expecting oh man he's have this virtue and that virtue and he said very simply he said what if god appeared to you right now and said that in your entire priesthood you would convert one person would you still do it and he said if the answer is no you are not ready so i remember that story Eventually I entered the seminary and I told another priest this story. Ah, yes, he said this. And the priest looked at me directly and said, what if God appeared to you and said that that one person was you? Would you still do it? And the answer is yes. Let me give you a personal testimony of how I live this every day. I think I can probably tell you in one sentence and you'll get it. I'm a middle school chaplain. (laughs) I know at least one middle schooler that listens to me because I can see him watching me right now. So I know at least that I helped, I think I helped one person. I hope I helped you in school. And I know at least another person with whom I work on a on a regular basis but I will tell you that that is a minority most days I walk in of a former Empire I'm pointing at my cast off not at the microphone okay the shell of a former Empire like him I watch it crumbling around me and I walk in and I say kids we're going to mass let's go to adoration let's go to the rosary let's talk about God 9.9 times out of 10 of every day of my priesthood Has been like talking to this do I blame them no it is not their fault it's we're living in a crumbling Empire okay I'm trying not to be political I'm also being spiritual okay now if everything crumbles around you what are you tempted to do You're tempted at the very least to say, maybe I'm wrong. There is a psalm, again, you can tell I'm a Catholic because I can't tell you psalm and verse, that says, I should have, because the psalmist is looking at the enemies of God gaining victory. And what does he say? And I said to God, Lo, I should have broken covenant with you. I should have broken covenant with you. I think I'm using the King James Version (laughs) it's a beautiful translation uh, in and of itself I should have broken covenant with thee and have I been tempted to do that yes was blessed Karl tempted to do that I'll ask him please God but I'm quite confident he would say yes because he's human God then turns to me and says into my soul so what are you going to do now are you going to break covenant with me and of course the answer is no because if i do who's left who's left that's the first temptation at the very least the second temptation is give up and leave demographically and statistically most catholics have done just that give you an example sunday morning i was driving up park road and i looked at the middle school and our pro-life banner had been stolen just as i believe various other parishes here go through the same rubbish every year i thought i was moving to a country where there was freedom of speech i'm just saying So I told my principal, and he, like a good man, he came in on Sunday, Father, we're going to get it fixed. Found it in a trash can. That was smart. (laughs) He puts it right back up. We drive in this morning, and it's gone again. This time, it's not in the trash can. And I thought to myself, and they even left evidence. They placed a chair underneath where it was hanging. You could see their boot marks. They didn't have even the decency to clean the chair off. What does that teach me as I prayed? We are going to get worse. I will end on a positive note, okay? it's going to get worse and here's why it's going to get worse because there is no way evil is going to watch you stand up for good and win one battle and say oh well I guess I guess it's over that's not what corruption does to someone corruption is total and it's absolute Holiness. and the positive note that I will end on later is, holiness is as well. The holiness of people like Blessed Carl. So as I read this on Monday, as I watched that small example, and I watched the other parishes in the area suffering the same fate, St. Anne, I believe, St. Vincent, the high school, okay, I thought to myself, what can I do? What can I do? And you honestly you want to know what my honest answer was i want to run off to a monastery and just pray the office all day long and ignore it and of course my other side my dominican side was like no preach on the street corners and do. then i realized i don't have to do that either what i have to do is i kind of have to do what and i think rod Drea was correct you have to be so sure of what you have in yourself that you have to be a calm steady holy persevering presence because if it won't happen here it will happen somewhere else look at chile look at china look at what's going egypt nigeria i could try to run away to the moon but then heretic aliens might come and get me there as well or i could stay planted where i am and try to ride it out now here is the catch i might still lose i might still never experience worldly success and this is a danger i'd like to help you guys go into on sunday because you're celebrating christ the king and i know I think father is probably going to preach a homily on the social kingship of Christ and I know you've heard it before but what if it doesn't come in your lifetime what if all you see is crumbling after crumbling around you how are you going to live your life in the manner of blessed Karl That even should you be sent to exile even should you have to suffer so much that you never see a single victory more would you still do it would you still keep your faith would you still keep your principles and would you do it joyfully like blessed Karl did serving his wife and his many children so humbly That I didn't even know who he was growing up, and my mother was born there. I think this is what God is trying, was trying to teach me in my prayer. And I think this is what he wants me to say to you. God still wins even if you lose. I know that those of us from England, hundreds of years ago, we saw through, by the way, a guy who wanted to do whatever he wanted with the institution known as marriage, attempt to destroy everything as well. And for 200 years or so, a bit more than that, it was illegal to do what we're doing and I won't describe the torture you can, again, you can go home and read about it on on the internet. And imagine those people, imagine the the children of Thomas More, imagine the people of, of the. have you ever read like Eamon Duffy's The Stripping of the Altars? Imagine those run-of-the-mill Catholics watching everything be stripped away from them by a megalomaniac who simply couldn't keep it together are we seeing people like that in power today okay. yes and they're being voted in just as surely as Adolf Hitler was they have been they are and they will be corruption will always be here okay. the poor you will always have with you it's the same principle and those people may never have been able to see a success If you've ever been to England and you've been to a priest hole, you will understand what I mean. A priest hole which is barely big enough to fit me. But eventually, things were relaxed. And then they became difficult again. Right now, it's very difficult over there. It's a bit more difficult than here. It's a little more subtle because we British are very polite. Americans are a little bit more. I want to use the word bellicose, but I don't know if that's the correct word. You're, you, you have this revolutionary spirit within you, you know? We Brits kind of let things happen and. Oh, how did that happen? No. Um, but it's happening. It happened in Poland, and look at what's happening now this is the way of the world this is the way of the devil and this is how corruption is so for you you need to be like blessed carl you need to be able to accept that your empire may fall and if my history is correct may never come back America may never be the same again are you ready for that What will you do? How will you live? How will you live your faith? How will you preserve your faith? And it sounds like running away, but it's not. Because just as surely as those British people got on the ship and came here, and there was a little thing about tea, there was a little tiff about tea, I mean, I don't understand personally. It's, to us, it was a bit of a rebellion, if you are. <laughs> but what was founded thereafter was probably something they ever imagined. So don't let the crumbling discourage you. The way of Christ is precisely to die. The way of Christ is precisely to be humble. The way of Christ was not for his empire to survive. The way of Christ was for him, who in himself embodied his empire, to teach us the true meaning of what his empire stood for, or what he stood for. Now, isn't that good? This is the message of Blessed Karl. I haven't prepared anything. If I've said anything good to you tonight, it's come from god if i've said something bad it's come from me so let's give thanks to almighty god for the gift of blessed carl for the gift of our faith and for the gift of humility let's ask him to ready us for anything that comes to do that with joy Heavenly Father, I, your unworthy priest, ask you to strengthen these faithful and their families. I ask you humbly to teach them the humility and the way of blessed Karl, so that they may never be afraid of exile, but that they may see the hidden joy behind even the greatest of exiles and finally O Lord help us to fear only one kind of exile exile from heaven glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be World without end, Amen. Blessed Karl of Austria, pray for us, in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.